I just think there needs to be more free market competition in the healthcare industry, less regulation, less licensing, and less governmental intervention and control, and less pricing control from government, because that always drives things up. Come along on a journey toward wisdom. All of that leads me to, as a seeker, to want to fully more understand healthcare, its services, and its funding. This is Seeker with Dave Jenks. I'm Matt Hayes. Dave, in an earlier episode of Seeker, we we started to get a little bit into the conversation about healthcare and and your discovery and and your exploration into the topic. But we're going to go a little bit deeper into healthcare and and what it means and and how it works in our society today. But first, let's go back to the basics. How would you even define healthcare? What is healthcare? Is is healthcare an, an industry? Is it a service? Is it a mix between the two? It's really a mix between the two because there's our personal health, and that's what you and I talked about in the earlier episode. And then there's the societal view of health. And then there's the societal view of health care. And then there's the governmental political view of who should take care of and pay for health care. And then what should the health care system be like? So in a sense, it's one of these strange multifaceted things, which you have individual health and well-being, us, us taking responsibility and doing the right things to maintain our own health and our longevity and our stamina. And then we have it in the healthcare industry in that one part of it is really more maybe healthcare and wellness, and the other part of it is disease management and injury recovery. So that's really probably more where the expense is in the disease management and the injury recovery. There isn't much really put into the health and well-being, the ongoing maintenance of good health and maybe helping somebody get past a cold and deal with a little bit of an infection they have or a slight injury, you know, a bruise or a contusion on their arm or body. We have kind of that, which what would be called what we often went to our local doctor in the old days, when you had this family doctor, family physician, you'd go to, you'd bring all your little aches and pains to them. And they, you know, they'd give you the two aspirins, you know, orange juice and call me in the morning kind of thing. But you got this care. And if something was really much more serious than that, then they either took care of it or they got you to somebody that did. But we now have this very complex healthcare industry, which involves massive hospitals and massive clinics and all kinds of advanced technology, MRIs and CAT scans and all kinds of surgical procedures and orthopedic replacements and bionic devices and even organ transplants. And we've gotten into this whole thing about health management and disease management. How how do we handle diseases? And then how do we handle when someone's had a serious injury where they've broken a bone or crushed vertebrae? And then what do we do when they have ongoing uh, issues with pain and other debilitating things, lung dysfunction. Uh, and then we get into the, the whole realm of as people, you know, get older then geriatric care as people really, their bodies do tend to diminish and function and, and have diseases, including cancer. And how do we do that? So I think as a seeker, we've already explored personal and health and well-being. And I think there's a whole industry about health and well-being that has its promoters and its people who are trying to kind of get your money and maybe they're, they're they have good answers and maybe they don't. We have to decide that for ourselves. That's what you and I talked about in healthcare. But then we have this whole area of disease management and injury recovery. And I think that's the one that's very interesting to look at from a seeker's point of view, because the question is, what do we do and how do we pay for it? And whose responsibility in the end is it? And what can we as a society do to make things 
healthy in our healthcare industry. So I think those are the areas that me as a seeker really wants to look at. And I have, I've studied it. And particularly since the recent onset of Obamacare and this idea and all the issues around that and the debate and how it's rolled out and Medicare, which has been there since the 1960s. And we've had experience with that. All of that leads me to, as a seeker, to want to fully more understand healthcare, its services, and its funding. One of the biggest discussions when it comes to healthcare is the financial elements. It's talked about every single year, especially at the end of the year when everyone is starting to take a look at their healthcare plans. What are the the players behind the economics behind it? What is it that really drives the costs, which seems to be such a big deal in discussion since it seems to be it's constantly going up? Well, it is. And it's a big part of our economy. I mean, it's 15, 16, 18% approaching maybe even 20% of our economy is this whole area of healthcare. And of course, as we move into more advanced things with genetics and bioengineering, and even the advance in medical procedures, like we have with transplants and in, in vitro fertilization and all this stuff, the area of the technology grows and the technology is not inexpensive. So we have that. That's driving it. The, I would say that the advance in medical technology whether it's surgery or pharmaceuticals or whatever, is driving the cost because we just have more technology that's very expensive to do. The other is the way healthcare is delivered. We are delivering it through big institutions called hospitals. Those hospitals are just incredibly massive facilities, feels almost like they're cathedrals. You know, it's almost like a religious thing. You go into these big medical facilities, they're just massive and luxurious, and I don't know, you know, and then you go into operating rooms and the amount of equipment and all of that stuff and the procedures, the number of people involved. And then we have, of course, the insurers, the healthcare insurance industry, which is a whole industry of its own. And then we have the interplay between the two, the battle over the dollar, the hospitals and the doctors and the medical professionals professionals who want their income and then the, the facilities that are running their facilities and want their income, even if they're not for profit, they're big facilities, they cost a lot of money. And then underneath that all, you have the healthcare providers. Yes, we have the physicians, but we have nurses and nurses assistants and physician assistants and the med tech people, the ones who are doing the radiology work and all of these technicians that study the various aspects and do the various testing. We have this incredible employment situation and the, it seems to be, I think one of the things that's driving the cost, we'll get to it a little bit more later in the sense of solutions, are the fact that there's a lot of restrictions. Regulation seems to be driving the costs up a lot. There's so much heavy-duty regulation of hospitals, of doctors, of medical licensing that really makes everything in it less available and therefore more expensive, right? The law of supply and demand. The more you restrict the supply and the demand goes up, the more you increase the cost. And that's really, in a lot of aspects of our healthcare, what's really going on. And then and then you have this question of who decides? The more government gets involved in it, the more they are trying to regulate the costs and procedures and what goes on and what's approved and what you can charge for this or that and what you can do as a as if you're if I'm in Medicare, what procedures I can get done for me. And then they start to control that. And that has many dynamics. We'll talk that a little bit later. But in general, for some reason across the world, whenever you look at that, when the government gets involved, it drives up costs. You would think it would drive down costs, but it doesn't. It drives up costs. And then I think the other interesting thing, and I'll just put it on the table because as a free market person, I, I care about this. Government doesn't provide food for us 
Any food we want, we should be able to go get. It doesn't provide transportation for us. Any car we want to buy, we should be able to buy. We ought to be able to go do that. It doesn't even give car insurance. I mean, there's car insurance, but I buy that individually, and it's somewhat regulated by insurance regulators. But really, I have choices in what coverage I want. And then the same thing is true in housing. I mean, you can buy whatever house you want, or you can rent whatever house you want. So what I'm saying is there's so many areas of human life and economy that do not have government control and and providing it. They're not providing it broadly to everybody at whatever level they want. And yet we get over to healthcare and it's as if the government should provide it. You should have any procedure you need done or want done and it should be paid for. That is what raises the cost. The minute there's this expectation that someone else should pay for it uh, and the more that that becomes true, like for guys my age and, and people my age in Medicare, the fact that virtually anything we want done is going to be provided to us. And you may have to go through some procedures and filings and all that, you know, and maybe some doctors take Medicare and some don't. You have some choice issues there. But the truth is we can virtually get anything we want done. And then that gets us, I think, Matt, to the biggest issue we're facing in this economic realm. And that is what can we as a society afford to pay for? Because it looks like we're getting real close to the limit on that. One other thing that seems to be discussed often, and it seems almost every week we see another story about abuse in the systems, whether it's from doctors or from healthcare systems or from the pharmaceutical companies and the cost of some of these drugs, and especially for drugs that can be life-saving for people and the cost for them just shooting through the roof. What about the abuse that we see in the system from all different people in healthcare? I think that the main abuse that I'm aware of are the ones who are absolutely defrauded the system. I mean, who are doing procedures, putting in reports, putting in requests uh, for patients that don't exist or for procedures that weren't done, for tests that weren't given, uh, and that just flat out lying type fraud. There's an estimate by, I forget, a very independent organization that thinks it could be as high as 20 to 30 percent of Medicare cost is fraud or overuse. Now, the overuse is where, and I even experience this or observe it in older people around me, where doctors continually want to set you up for more appointments. I mean, they virtually have a sales organization that's calling you for your next appointment. They're getting paid on a fee for service. If they can get me to come in for seven appointments, they get paid a lot more than if I come in for two and we're fine and everything's taken care of. So there's always that. Then there's the addition of the tests. And part of that, of course, and we didn't talk about this in driving up costs, but it's the CYA cover your butt costs of health insurance. So malpractice insurance, lawsuits, all that stuff that has gone on with almost virtually no limit. I can't even choose. I can't even sign off. I'm willing to work with you and I promise I will never sue you. If I could sign away my desire to take action against them if something goes wrong, I could get service at a lot less expense. But we don't even allow that to happen. So there is a lot of fraud. There's a lot of misuse and it's built in to the motivational nature of the system because if I as a user am not really paying for it, my insurance company's paying for it or Medicare's paying for it, I don't have an incentive to really make a, an informed decision about what I'm willing to pay for. We'll get to this under solutions, but if I have to make a financial decision before I get a procedure, I'm going to make sure that one, I'm getting the right procedure. The second thing is I'm going to start to demand that the industry give me full disclosure on costs. When people go in for procedures, they have no idea. I have no idea what it costs for my melanoma surgery. I think when I looked at some of the stuff that came through, it might have been twenty, thirty thousand dollars to do a little thing on my neck to remove a, a melanoma. I mean, come on. You know, what I know is it was all these added up costs and everything, and there it is. But if I was, say I had to pay a third of it, say I had a copay of a third, well, man, I would shop it around. 
And maybe I'd make a decision about whether I wanted to do it or not. So what we have that's part of the misuse, I won't call it fraud, is that when you give people a wide open blank check, basically, that isn't costing them anything out of their pocket, they tend to go to too many procedures, too many visits, and cost too much money. So let's talk about the solutions. Where do we start? I think that we really treat health insurance as true insurance. See, if I am I'm driving a car, the insurer can play the odds, the actuarial tables about, you know, how expensive my car is, the chances of an accident, coverage in, and there's competition among those insurers to insure my car at the level I want. And I can shop around and find that. In health insurance, I can't do that. I can't shop around because there are limited providers because of the over-regulation by Obamacare and other governmental agencies. So number one is health insurance should should be personal and portable. I should be able to take it anywhere. If I lose my job, I shouldn't lose my insurance. But insurance should be issued to me, not because I work for a certain company. That doesn't mean that that's where I should have my insurance. And when I don't work for that company anymore, I lose it. It should be personal and portable because that keeps it mine and it's my decision. I can take it anywhere I want. And that also gets rid of this idea of pre-existing conditions. I don't have to now worry about, oh, in changing policies, I, that ought to be automatic renewal, that I have the right to renew as long as I am in the program and I am with the same carrier, I have a right to renew. I think we need to increase the competition among insurance companies by making it go across state lines, less regulatory control from the states, and more association-type insurance. Like if, I, if I'm part of a church and they want to provide insurance or provide an insurance plan, or I'm part of a network of independent contractors and, I, and we want to sign up for some sort of medical coverage plan for ourselves, there should be more of those choices because with less regulation, there would be right now there should also be full disclosure of costs costs and coverage and also a feedback system just like going on Amazon or on any of the internet based shopping services almost all of them have a feedback system where I can where this either the provider is rated or the product itself is rated and there's detailed feedback same thing should be there for medical insurance for medical coverage for medical providers I should be able to go in and see what the evaluation is of a dermatologist or what the evaluation is of a dentist and what their clients are saying and you know, how many problems there were and how many lawsuits they had all that stuff there should be more of a open disclosure of information for me to make decisions i think that we should empower non-medical professionals i think the requirements it takes to become a nurse for example are ridiculous and they don't have anything to do with being a good nurse i know people including relatives of mine that would be wonderful nurses that would love to be nurses that are very bright very trainable very good with clients and and could do the simple things a nurse could have and learn on the job but no they have to go through this formal education it keeps getting more and more and they have to pass these state licensing exams. And the more we drive up that bureaucracy of licensing, the more we increase costs. I think that seniors should make their own Medicare decisions, their own medical decisions. There should be co-pays and uh, deductibles for everybody, everybody. Now, you may relate it a little bit to income if you want, if you want to be in that way. But every time I go for a medical procedure, it should cost me something. I mean, just something. That will make me make smarter decisions. I think that we want to allow for more localized competition among providers. For example, I go get a flu shot at CVS. I think that's one of the greatest things, you know, at a local drugstore. I think the more and more that little clinics are part of drugstore or part of a Walmart. You can get your glasses at Costco. Why can't you go get medical procedures at Walmart? Now, again, they would be rated, they would be provided, but 
you know, there'd be an incentive for them to get you in and start there because then you're going to buy your medications there. I just think there needs to be more free market competition in the healthcare industry, less regulation, less licensing, and less governmental intervention and control and less pricing control from government because that always drives things up. Much of the discussion regarding healthcare is taking a look at other countries and other ways of doing things. You know, every country kind of has its own unique way of covering its people. What have we learned from studying different types of healthcare systems around the world? Well, I think what we've learned is that uh, governmentally driven systems have serious problems that ultimately they have to face. All the ones that put out a good face, like we have a great program in England or we have a great program in Norway or whatever, when you study them up close and the, what I've read where the even-minded people have gone in to look at it is they're having problems with waiting periods, availability of services, of getting people into the healthcare professions of costs, costs rising, and more and more they keep moving it back to consumer choice. And on the other side of it, what you get are black markets. So you get sort of the, the healthcare system over here, and then you get the black market over here for those that can afford it or willing to go cheaper. I mean, there's black markets that have to do with kind of sleazy operations too, where they're sort of not controlled at all, but you can go in and get a medical procedure for you know almost nothing while you're taking chances. But what that happens when over here you have the highly regulated highly government-run system, and then over here you have the ones that are providing the black market. So there's two kinds of black markets. There's a high-end black market, anything you can pay for, you can get done. You can go to another country and get it done. Or you have the low-end black market. We just do it cheap, no guarantees, and you're taking that risk. But what we find in almost any plan, including you know Romney Care in Massachusetts, is that it never hits the goals it said it would, like in terms of full coverage of people. The costs are always higher than they projected, and the dissatisfaction level except for those that are having a good deal, like they're they're being subsidized or in some other way getting their insurance, you know, then you get kind of that happiness when I'm in the subsidized group that I'm happy because I'm being taken care of by the government. And by the way, the big one in our country, and we know it, is this whole Medicare thing. And so, Matt, one of the things that we're dealing with is the fact that, uh, you know, my generation of older people on Medicare, and we're leaving the bill to a younger generation, set of generations, and they all have to be concerned about this because, in a sense, they can't afford it and yet they don't realize what's being put on their shoulders. We have to deal with this whole issue of aging, debilitation, and dying because we're all going to die, we're all going to get old, we're all going to fall apart. And the problem is, who's going to take care of our falling apart? There's got to be a limit on that. I have to decide for myself what I'm willing to pay from my resources to get care that I want. Uh, it can't just be given to me. I may have to get more palliative care than curative care. In other words, I may have to be put more in a hospice type situation or made comfortable in, to deal with my pain than I am to go in and get heavy duty cancer treatments or, or heavy duty surgical treatments. Because why? Well, because I'm at that stage where I'm not going to give back to the society and yet here I am taking all of this expense and money and that's creating a debt that other people are going to have to pay. I just think we have to face that fact and we have to do it now. That leads to this idea of how do you treat older people? Because in general, 60 or 70% of the, someone's medical costs may be in the last year or two of their life. And a lot of that in the last three to six months, depending upon you know, what takes them out. Well, I mean, is that a worthy investment by the society for this one person to get an extra three months? I don't know. I think it's a tough one for it to decide. But my sense is no. It's not worth it, and it's not worth putting in debt the future generations to handle it. But it also takes me over then, Matt, to a topic I hope we can work on in a, maybe a next podcast because I've studied this a lot, and it's the whole topic of death and dying. 
how to die well from a seeker's point of view. I think it's an interesting topic. And with healthcare, it's more than just the logistics, but we're also talking about a lot of moral questions with this as well. And I think we'll get into a lot of that in the next podcast then. Absolutely. I hope we do, because I think there are moral and ethical as well as pragmatic issues that are involved in that. To hear other episodes of the podcast, go to seekerthebook.com.